Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Welcome to XFO's first quarter conference call for fiscal 2020. Today's conference is being recorded. At this time, I'd like to turn the conference over to Vance Oliver, Director of Investor Relations. Please go ahead, sir. Good afternoon, and welcome to XFO's first quarter conference call for fiscal 2020. With me on the line today are Philippe Morin, XFO's Chief Executive Officer, and Pierre Plamondon, CFO and Vice President of Finance. Jean-Mel Lamont, XFO's Founder and Executive Chairman, will also be available to answer questions during the Q&A period. A reminder that this conference call will include certain forward-looking statements and our estimates concerning our intents, beliefs, or expectations regarding future events that may affect Expo. Please note that such comments will be affected by risks and our uncertainties, which may cause the actual results of the company to be materially different from those expressed or implied today. For more information about Expo, I encourage you to review our Form 20F filed with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Our annual information form is available with Canadian Securities Commissions as well. Please note that non-IFRS numbers may be used during this conference call. A reconciliation of these non-IFRS results with IFRS numbers is available in the Q1 2020 news release on our website. All dollar amounts in this conference call are expressed in U.S. dollars unless otherwise indicated. So without further delay, I will turn the call over to Philip. All right. Thank you, Vance, and good afternoon, everyone. Uh, first of all, I'd like to take the opportunity to wish everyone on the call here a happy new year. Now, turning to our financial results, Expo opened fiscal 2020 with a strong first quarter performance, with sales increasing 6.3% year-over-year to $73.6 million. Now, this marked the fifth consecutive quarter that our sales results finished above the midpoint of our management guidance. We're also pleased with our reported adjusted EBITDA of $7.5 million, or 10.3% of sales, which sets Expo on the right path to achieve our profitability target of $33 million for the fiscal year. Our organic sales increase is mainly due to a steady influx of test and measurement orders that were booked and shipped in Q1 2020 versus a back-end loaded Q1 2019. Now, notably, we benefited from strong demand from uh, Expo's optical test solutions in our Asia-Pac region in our first quarter of 2020 and increased appetite of our 400-gig test equipment along with our high-end lab solutions. Our bookings, however, were down versus the same period last year. And if you recall, we had reported our second highest bookings level of 81.2 million in Q1 2019, which was due to unprecedented calendar year, uh, year-end spending on the part of service providers in America for our test and measurement products. Now, given less, less than year spending, year-end spending and some annual maintenance contracts renewal being pushed out in the second quarter, our bookings totaled $69.9 million for a book-to-bill ratio of 0.95 in the first quarter of 2020. 
Now we're not overly concerned about this data point as we secured three SAS orders totaling more than $2.5 million in the first quarter of December, sorry, the first week of December, related to our RAN optimization, real-time network topology, and as well active monitoring for mobile backhaul networks. Now these deals would have narrowed the, the, the bookings gap had they been obtained a few days earlier and are still proof points that we're increasing our re relevancy with our SaaS offering. Now speaking of our SaaS offerings, we've recently rebranded all of their solutions under the new Nova name for Nova name brand for better consistency and positioning clarity. I'm confident these solutions will increasingly gain traction as we get closer to deployment of 5G networks later in the fiscal 2020. So in short, our test and measurement business with sales of up to 12.4% year over year continues to thrive based on our innovation we bring to the market and ongoing tailwinds related to fiber build-out and high-speed deployments. On the SaaS side, sales were down 8.6% year over year. As we expected, we've witnessed order, order lumpiness as we build scale and navigate through complex customer requirements related to 5G and virtualized networks. Now let me provide you with our guidance for Q2 2020. We're forecasting sales between 66 and 71 million for the reporting period extending from December 1st, 2019 to February 29th, 2020. It should be noted that Expo recognized into revenue a 5 million network topology order in Q2 2019, but we don't anticipate a similar high margin software deal in Q2 2020. Looking at the bottom line, IFRS net loss is expected to range between negative nine cents to negative five cents per share for the second quarter of 2020. IFRS net loss includes five cents per share in after-tax amortization of intangible assets, stock-based compensation costs, and anticipated foreign exchange loss. So at this point, We'd like to turn the call over to Pierre to cover our financials. Thank you, Philippe. Sale increased 6.3% to 73.6 million in the first quarter of 2020, from 69.2 million in the first quarter of 2019. As previously mentioned, we increased our sales over a year, mainly due to a more steady flow of test measurement order in Q1 2020 compared to the same period last year, in which a significant portion of our of our order were back and loaded and only reconnecting to revenue in the following quarters. We also benefited from stronger demand for our solution in the Asia Pact region in Q120 compared to Q119. Bookings, meanwhile, decreased 13.9% year over year to 69.9 million in the first quarter of 2020 for a book to bill ratio of 0.95. Gross margin before depreciation and amortization improved to 58.9% of sale in the first quarter of 2020 from 58.2% in the first quarter of 2019. The adoption of IFRS 16 raised our gross margin by 0.4% in Q1 2020, while our Q1 19 gross margin included 0.4% for restructuring expenses. In terms of operating expenses, selling and administrative expenses decreased to 24.5 million or 33.2% of sales in the first quarter of 2020 
from 26.4 million or 38.1% of sales in the first quarter of 2019. The 1.9 million decrease in LG&A expenses reflects the full impact of our 2018 restructuring plan, the adoption of IFRS 16, and no restructuring charges in Q1 2020. <clears throat> Net R&D expenses dropped to 11.7 million or 16% of sales in the first quarter of 2020, from 15.2 million or 22% of sales in the same period last year. Likewise, the 3.5 million decrease in net earned expenses is linked to the positive impact of our 2018 restructuring plan, the adoption of IFRS 16, and no restructuring charges in Q1 2020 compared to 2.1 million expense in Q1 2019. On the other hand, LGNA and net earned expenses were negatively affected by inflation and 2019 salary increases. IFRS net loss totaled 0.1 million or 0 cent per share in the first quarter of 2020, compared to a loss of 7.5 million or 14 cents per share in the first quarter of 2019. IFRS net loss in the first quarter of 2020 included 1.4 million in after-tax amortization of intangible assets, 0.5 million in stock-based compensation costs, and a foreign change loss of 0.1 million. IFRS net loss was impacted by restructuring charges of 2.7 million in the first quarter of 2019. Adjusted EBITDA totaled 7.5 million, or 10.3% of sales in the first quarter of 2020, compared to 2.7 million, or 3.9% of sales in the first quarter of 2019. EXO adopted IFRS 16 related to leases on September 1, 2019, which had a positive impact on adjusted EBITDA of 0.9 million or 1.2% of sales in the first quarter of 2020. Prior period amounts were not adjusted. Geographically, the America accounted for 54% of total sales in Q120. Europe, Middle East, Africa represented 29% while Asia-Pacific totaled 17%. In comparison, the sales split was 51%, 32%, and 16% among the three geographic regions in the first quarter of 2019. In terms of customer mix, our top customer accounted for 11.9% of total sales in Q120, while our top three represented 19.7%. Turning to a few key points on the balance sheet, our cash position decreased by 1.9 million to 17.5 million at the end of the first quarter of 2020. This decrease is mainly due to 6.5 million in cash flow used by operation, 2 million for the purchase of capital assets, 1.5 million for the repayment of lease liabilities and long-term debt, and 0.2 million for the redemption of share capital. These cash amounts were partially offset by an 8.4 million increase in our back loan in the first quarter of 2020. At the end of Q120, XO has a net debt position of 0.8 million and available revolving credit facilities up to 47.7 million.
At this point, I will turn the call over to the operator for the start of the Q&A. Thank you. At this time, if you do have a question, that will be star 1. Again, star 1 for questions. We'll go first to Thanos Mishopoulos with BMO Capital Markets. Hi, good afternoon. Um, so, Philippe, if I look at uh, your results this quarter and the guidance for next quarter, it would seem you're looking for the first half of uh, the fiscal year to be relatively flat year over year. So, I mean, based on your commentary, uh, should we attribute that primarily to a tough year-over-year comp, or you know, what, what's the bigger picture here? Is it maybe that you're still seeing some pause from operators as they sort out through their 5G requirements? Yeah, no, I think they, so, yeah, so you're right. So when you look at the first half to first half, it, it'll be roughly around uh, uh, flat performance. Uh, Couples, I, I would say two, two facts. One is the, um, the test and measurement lumpiness that we had last year. The, the year-end money was, was greater than what we've done this year, uh, or what we've seen this year, uh, and as well uh, the CenturyLink uh, um, customer uh, Nova Contacts or Ontology that we've announced last year for member of the $5 million um, purchase order uh, that uh, also came into Q2 that we don't believe we're going to realize a similar type of contract uh, this quarter. So that's kind of a combination of those two things. Okay. Um and then if we just look at sort of the, the SaaS business, I mean, the bookings have been a little softer the last three quarters. Um, now, obviously, that's, that's a lumpy segment, but um, how would you characterize the pipeline, your discussions with operators, how, and how those have evolved over the last while? I mean, uh, would you still expect to see an inflection point maybe later this year um, as there's more 5G activity, or is there any change to that time frame? Yeah, so we're going to continue to see, uh, I guess we're predicting an inflection point more into the latter part of our fiscal year. We see, you know, the, some of our, if you remember, the, we, we, we have three-phased uh, approach with regards to 5G deployment. The first one is around the whole impacting our test and measurement for fiber build-out and small cells, and, and we're seeing the benefit of that. The second phase is the RAN optimization, the mobile backhaul, uh, monitoring, and so on. And that's continuing, and we do expect to see some, some demand, as I mentioned in my opening remarks. And then the, the 5G um, real uh, core uh, deployment, which we expect more into inflection point into the latter part of uh, 2020, we do see that there's still um, work being done, RFQs uh, being going, going through, that hopefully will convert into um, our second half or, or uh, 2020 in terms of our performance from a bookings point of view. Okay. Would you still hope to achieve uh, mid-single-digit revenue growth uh, for the fiscal year? Yeah, and, and as I mentioned as well, um, achieving the $33 million of EBITDA as well. Okay. And um, then question for Pierre. Uh, taxes were higher this quarter. Uh, what did that relate to? Yeah, it's mostly a matter of timing of uh, tax in, in different countries. Uh, but for, for the next uh, quarter, we're expecting probably in the again in a tax expense average of half a million for for the quarter. Okay, and then looking at your guidance, it would seem that um, OPEX should be relatively consistent uh, in Q2 relative to Q1. Is that correct? Well, you you need to remember that in Q2 we have the same increases starting in January 1st, and we do have some benefits like uh, uh, insurance uh, premium insurance that they kick on again uh, at the beginning of the year. So, so, and you, you, you have probably mentioned, noticed that the currency 
end up playing in our favor in this quarter as the Canadian dynamic gets stronger compared to the previous quarter. So though, how those elements tend to increase our opaque for next quarter. Okay. And uh, what level of um, FX gain or loss is embedded in your EPS guidance? It's uh, roughly one cent. Okay. All right. Thank you. I'll pass the line. Thank you. We'll move next to Todd Coupland with CIBC. Uh, good evening, everyone. I had a question on follow-up question on uh, the 5G. <clears throat> what uh, can we watch for from the outside to see whether the market is uh, moving in line with your expectations over the course of this year? What are some of the signs we should watch for? Yeah, so the, uh, what we're monitoring ourselves is um, one activity associated with, uh, you know, antennas, small cells, deployment, and fiber deployment associated with it. Um, second is uh, announcements around what I would call the, the 5G uh, radio, uh, new radio selection uh, from, from our customer base, and then, and then the virtualization announcements in terms of what they're looking at, modernizing their network. And these are kind of the... The, the bellwether we're, we're looking at with regards to the activities. Obviously, internally, we see RFQs and RFIs that we receive, but from an external point of view, these are kind of the activities I would say are um, either leading front-end uh, indicators of the 5G deployment about to happen. And the new, I mean, it's a good point on the new radios. I mean, this has been something the sector's been watching for for a while. Um, would you would you think that that happens when some of the later in calendar Q1, early Q2 releases from the carriers come, come out? Is that the kind of timing that's generally expected right now? And so that'll say, yes, uh, uh, the RF, RFQs will turn into orders this year, or is, do you have a different view of that? Yeah, no, I think it really depends on on, on by by countries and, and you know it starts off as you know uh, Todd uh, uh, first of all there are going to be auctions for the particular spectrum that that uh, each of the respective countries and then in certain countries you've seen start already deployment of new radios being deployed obviously the U.S. Uh, Korea and China are, are examples of where that's taking place um, and then right behind that you, you've got the opportunities for um, not only the new radio but the modernization or the virtualization of the core and the RAM which uh, follows right behind that. So that's kind of the, the, the leading indicator that um, I think the industry should be looking for. And if you were to, uh, again, just to be see if we can be as precise as possible, um, characterize your view of the, the rollout of these indicators now versus three months ago, has it changed at all? And if so, how? What's changed uh, versus three months ago, uh, I would say for, depending on the reasons, again, the level of some of our activities with, with response to, re responding to, re to RFQs. Um, I think six months ago, we were still having discussions around architecture and, and POCs. Uh, now we're seeing some um, RFQs uh, for monitoring, for service assurance, virtual service assurance. They're starting to come in um, and then increasing that, that with that level of increasing activity depending again on, on the on the regions. Um, so that that would be the, the the difference between three to six months ago. Okay. Last question for me. 
Um, is, is there any way for you to characterize your market share uh, now, um, let's say, versus uh, last year or the last cycle? Do you directionally, can you, can you give any uh, commentary on that? Yeah, and I'll answer the, the market share. I mean, as you know, we have two business units. So, so on the test and measurement side with our optical test solution, we believe we're number one market share. And with the addition of our lab um, solutions with the acquisition that we made two years ago in Unista, we actually believe we've increased our, our position there. Uh, with regards to SaaS, as you know, the market's very fluid, very dynamic. There's lots of solutions involved in this. Um, you know, we like to use uh, analysis. Mason did a report um, about a, a month ago for the year of 2019, and they, they put us as number two at 9% market share for that, uh, that year uh, behind Netscout. Um, but again, that was, you know, probably uh, for, from a 2019 uh, view. So uh, with, with a very focus on, on the service assurance probe, virtual probe uh, monitoring capability. Um, but as you know, in our SaaS um, product, we have fiber monitoring, uh, we have our simulator products, so it becomes really more complex trying to figure out exactly where we stand in terms of that total market uh, market share. But overall, um, you know, like in the, in the, the, the probe market, we, uh, we've made uh, some uh, improvement in our market share in the, in the last 18 months. And, and is it too early to tell whether Estelia is going to help you raise your market share uh, for 5G, particularly in the U.S.? Well, Estelia for sure helps us with regards to being adding the, the, a solution and the portfolio that we didn't have before, um, especially a virtualized solution um, that we've been able to, to implement into uh, into 3UK um, in Europe. Uh, it also provides us with professional services capability that we didn't have before. So absolutely, it will help us in our positioning in North America for for uh, for 5G and and for service assurance deployment uh, for 4G plus and 5G as well in North America. Okay, great. I really appreciate the color. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Again, for questions, that is star one at this time. We'll move next to Tim Savaggio with Northland Capital Markets. Hi, this is actually Stephen on for Tim. Uh, thank you for taking my call. I was wondering if you guys could uh, give us a little uh, color, any um, indication on the drivers for your guide next year in terms of like optical and, and protocol. For the next quarter, you mean guidance for the next quarter? Yes, correct. In, so we, like, in yeah, just to like, what was yeah. that? No, I just want to make sure. I thought you said guidance for next year, so I just want to make sure we're, we're talking about uh, guidance for next quarter. Yes, next quarter. Yeah. Yeah. So, so again, as you you may know, Q2 for us is, um, is a, from a seasonality point of view is is a quarter that uh, goes from November, sorry, December, January, and February, which uh, is a bit more of a challenge for us in terms of both the TNM and the SAS because you've got obviously the holidays and Chinese New Year's and so on. Uh, and so that's part of um, one take into account when we do it a guidance of seasonality, seasonality uh, aspect of that. Um, and as well, you know, when you look at our backlog, you look at the, the booking level, our book to bill ratio being at 0.95, uh, 
um, it really uh, got us to a point where that's providing our, our guidance to uh, make sure one we um, it, it is a realistic guidance for our for our revenue profile. So it takes into account the, the seasonality, it takes into account the, the service provider approval process and budgeting pro process that they go through at the beginning of the uh, calendar year, and it's also taking into account um, the backlog that we walked into the quarter following uh, our bookings uh, that we did in Q1. Okay, great. And then, um, I mean, do you think you could give us any more color on like opti optical compared to like last year and even compared to this quarter? Yeah, so the, the in, so what happened last year, and again, if, uh, just to remind everybody, Q4 of 2018 was a softer quarter for us from a T&M point of view, and Q1 was very strong, uh, as I mentioned in my opening statement. Uh, if you actually look at it from a six-month point of view and you compare the six-month Q4 2019 with Q1 2020 with the same period a year before, um, what we're seeing is, is a T&M market that's absolutely, from a bookings point of view, pretty flat. So what we're seeing is um, more of an even out over six months of, of that particular activity in that particular market segment. Um, we do foresee, as we talk to our service provider customers and our web scale customers, that they're continuing to do the fiber build out. Um, there's, you know, and, and, and on top of that, um, that's uh, coupled with our 400 gig uh, solution that we're seeing some really nice momentum there and the ongoing lab, uh, IN lab uh, solutions that we have, we continue to foresee a good, good high demand for, um, for that TNM portfolio. Okay, thank you. Okay. We'll hear next from Christian Gro with Canaccord. Hi, good evening. Just one question, Todd. Uh, with, with a longer-term view, um, would you point out any seasonality across the two business segments? You often comment that the SaaS segment is lumpy, but you know, thinking about quarter to quarter in the longer term, is there something we should be looking for in, in spending patterns and the spending environment? So there's more uh, seasonality associated with the TNM business than there is with uh, the SaaS business. The SaaS business tends to be more lumpiness from the point of view of bigger contracts, um, longer sales cycles, and when we close these deals, as I mentioned earlier, last year we closed and it was a five million deal that, that tend to have multi-year, multi-million dollar contracts. So there's no seasonality on the SaaS side. It's more about closing deals uh, and their longer sales cycles and more complex type of deal versus T&M, uh, uh, there is more seasonality aspect associated with it. And as well, being able to convert those bookings uh, that tends to be more back-ended into the quarter to be able to convert them into revenue. Okay, that's helpful. But when you look quarter to quarter across the fiscal year, is there a period in the year where uh, you would say that uh, some of your customers are looking to, uh, I think it's called budget flush, or clear out their budget, or uh, spend more, or is that not so much a theme anymore? Uh, and your question on SaaS or on T&M or overall? That's, that's all T&M. All T&M, yeah. So T&M, so, so the seasonality, where we, there, there are year-end money being spent, and we saw some of it this year, but not as much as last year, tends to be in Q1. Um, of, of our fiscal uh, quarter. Now this year, we saw some year-end money, but not as much as the previous year. 
That's all helpful. All right, thank you for taking my question. Thank you. And at this time, I'd like to turn things back to CEO Philip Morin for closing remarks. All right, thank you. So just a, a few key takeaways before we conclude this call today. So first, Expo delivered a strong first quarter based on our uh, sales, mainly all of them are organic sales now, increasing 6.3% year over year, and a adjusted EBITDA reaching 7.5 million, or 10.3% of sales. Second, we received more than $2.5 million of SaaS-related orders in the first week of December. As we had secured these orders a few days earlier, our book-to-bill ratio would have been closer to 1 in our Q1 2020. And so consequently, timing of orders continues to affect our SaaS business as we build the scale of that particular business unit. We evaluate the performance of our SaaS business more and more into a six-month period, and I would actually encourage you to do likewise. So finally, Expo will be holding its annual meeting on Wednesday, 9 a.m. at the Vantage Venues, room L2, on the 27th floor located at 150 King Street West in Toronto. Both shareholders and analysts are welcome to attend. At this point, this concludes our Q1 2020 conference call. On behalf of the entire Expo team, thank you for joining us today. Again, that concludes today's conference. Thank you all for joining us. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.